Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email piercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, Metalheads, after going to a Rager, what's your ultimate go-to? Mine is totally pizza. So when Overload is playing or I'm promoting the Metal Forge Live showcases or the big goddamn metal show, I go to Pizza Donisi. Pizza Donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options, which is so totally fucking cool for all, all of it's It's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Hey, metalheads, you all hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the ultimate underground metal tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi. But they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson. And Finer Things Sundays. Located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street. Open 3 p.m. to 4 a.m. seven days a week. Get your asses out to the Mag Bar. Rock out. For 45 years in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They're open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week. Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, and at electricladyland420.com. Roll out. 
going on metalheads thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the metal forge my name is mark jackson and i am your host this week wow we're going back to the uk and it's cold as fuck out there with dale harrison from hands of attrition the awesome fucking wow you know they're a really cool band i i look at them as uh, uh Kind of like a a metalcore band, but I dig them. I dig the sound. I love it. Uh, I think you all will too because it's cool. It's kick ass. And honestly, you know they're from uh, Birmingham, England. You know the Brummies. Uh, awesome, cool shit. Where and we'll get into that in the interview. But you know, fucking cool stuff. And if you want to see the video version of this, make sure you go over to uh, FlameKeeper.VIP. And subscribe either one, two, five bucks a month, and you can actually see video versions of the Metal Forge and uh, the Alehorn, the Mudhorn. Uh, all of that stuff is released on there prior to um, everything. So you get pre release usually a few days before, sometimes up to a week before, depends on uh, editing, uh, all of that cool shit, right? But anyways, yeah, total cool stuff. Uh, I hope you all are well this week. Here in the uh, fucking Ohio Valley, it's it's been cold. It's it's getting down to like one degree, and I hate it. And yeah, it's too cold for that shit. But anyway, you know, we're here. We're kicking ass. We're having fun. We are doing awesome interviews. We have some really fucking cool guests lined up. Uh, going forward this year. Uh, I will go ahead and tell some of them. Uh, There is a couple of them coming uh, in a real big tour uh, across the U.S. and Canada. It's their first U.S. tour. We have Elven King coming up later uh, uh, soon in in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, some other cool ones. Uh, I almost don't want to give this one away, but I'm going to. Uh, next week, for the fifth album release, we have Johanna from Lucifer. Yeah. So, hell yeah. We've also got some some really cool kick-ass stuff. I'm really looking forward to doing all of these. I hope you all have been really checking out... Uh, you know, the YouTube page and stuff, you know, with Metal on a Budget and Assault and Battery, they're really kicking ass on there. All of these episodes are being uploaded to YouTube as well, so if you're not listening on uh, 
Spotify or any podcast app. If you do have a YouTube page, go over and sub on the YouTube channel because we're there and we're doing the things on there as well. It's Flame Keeper PN is the YouTube page. And on there, you're going to get uh, Alehorn Unsleeved, Metal Forge Unsleeved, Metal on a Budget, Asant and Battery, uh, along with a whole slew of minute mashups from the Metal Forge and just whatever little goofy shit I decide to upload here and there. Like, uh, over the death day, I uploaded a, a version of Ace of Spades from uh, Old National Theater in Indianapolis on September 9th of 2015. And I felt like it was the right time to uh, to share that, you know. Yeah, for sure. And you know, this episode, obviously the the monologue won't be on there, but the video version of the interview with Dale is on there. And it's cool, it's fun, it kicks ass. Uh, you know, I really enjoy a great interview that you don't have to fucking just edit any fucking thing out of. And this is one of them. I say in there that that's an edit point at one point, but I just decided to leave it. Because it was such a good interview. It's such a good, great conversation. But, you know, I'm kind of yammering at this point. I really don't have much to talk about this week other than a few guests that are coming up. Um, but you know what? I'm having a good fucking time. I'm having... Uh, some really awesome stuff coming up. Uh, you know, Ice Howl is playing Legions of Metal in Chicago this year. Overload has some cool things going on. I'm going to be bringing some awesome fucking bands to Louisville and possibly playing some more fucking kick ass shows too. So, kick ass, fucking have awesome fucking times. And you know what? We're going to listen to some fucking Hands of Attrition right now. This is I'm Gone.
metalheads, I'm being joined right now with Dale from Hands of Attrition over in the UK. And it's kind of late over there for, for them at this time because it's like, it's, uh, I usually record these in the evening. <laughs> and you all are like six hours ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's five in total. So it's 11 p.m. for me. Yeah. But you know what? These these things are to be done in the evening for me anyway. It's much easier, so I'd rather stay up late, you know, with the metalheads and and actually do an interview properly. So yeah, let's do it now. For sure, man. Yeah, I just remember coming home uh, one day and recording an episode with Tony Dolan, and he it was, and we ended up going like past like one o'clock in the morning talking for him, and he's wow. like, yeah, and and he's like super fitness, gets up at like four in the morning to go to the gym type stuff. I'm not that guy, (laughs) but he is, and it was wild because it's like, wow, man, you're like up late. You got to get up in a couple of hours. He's like, oh, that's cool, (laughs) dude. Take one on the chin for the day. uh, I always like to ask because I'm in the Midwest, and it, and here in in January and stuff, February. and I haven't decided when this is going to hit in the schedule yet. Uh, Yep, um, but. We we were about to hit our first like one degree Fahrenheit day, okay, and that sucks because you know for us uh, thirty two degrees is zero for you. Yeah, it's yeah. freezing then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. in centigrade, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, so it's negative. It would be negative freezing for you. So it's like no. We, I've had some snow hit the ground uh, Monday of this week definitely snow hit the ground for about two hours and then it was gone and then i woke up in the morning i think it was five degrees celsius so i think that's what uh we're talking 40 fahrenheit somewhere around there probably i am not a i don't know the formula and yeah i I sucked in school I suck in school. That's why I, I <laughs> podcast, and that's why I play metal fucking music, and that's why I work yeah, in an auto sometimes parts you store. Need maths in metal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, so it's so it's getting cold there too. Yeah, yeah, oh. definitely getting cold here. Yeah, I'm, now, I'm constantly in a hoodie in the house and hairs down to keep the neck warm and everything. <laughs> now, where are you all actually based at? Because on the promo, I see that it says, like, West Midlands, but then I see, like, on other stuff, it says London. Yeah, I suppose suppose one of the things that you're finding is that we work with a mix engineer that is in London, London Way. So Justin Paul Hill is our mix engineer. He's been working with us since day one. You know, he's done big bands such as Hacktivists and... Polaris and bands like that and he does he does the 500 now so he's he's well rooted in in metal really and he comes from the band Sixth so he's the vocalist for Sixth okay so some of our stuff I suppose gets a little bit of a London mix but the lads are actually from Birmingham so we're all in Birmingham myself so that's where we're all from man I don't know what it is down there what is it with Birmingham like Do you know priest, what? It's got to be Sabbath. the accessibility. It's got to be the accessibility of rehearsal spaces. I think <laughs> anyway. We we have so many. There's rehearsal nothing rooms. else to do. Let's go. <laughs> There's nothing else to do but go and play music. And do you know what? I think for what it's worth, we've had big venues in Birmingham. We've had very close to the West Midlands. You know, a Download Festival is literally an hour from my house. 
we're all kind of metalheads at heart, let's say. So, right. And then with the abundance of bands that have come from Birmingham, as you say, Sabbath and Judas Priest and all the rest of those guys, you know, fantastic bands, you kind of just get a taste for it. And it's like, what do we do? Let's go play metal because there's a rehearsal room down there where we can make as much noise as we like. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask, are you a real Brummy? I am a real Brummy. Oh, yeah. Uh, born in Sutton Coalfield. It's a little bit posh, quote-unquote. Uh, it's not that posh if you're actually from Birmingham, but it appears to be. But now I live in a place called Cradley Heath, which is technically the black country. So proper Brummy, proper black country area. Hell I just yeah. don't come with the thick accent, if you will. So Yeah, yeah uh, it, there's, it's definitely not, not as thick, uh, which yeah. is... Some of some of them you you just can't fucking understand. At least I can't. <laughs> but but honestly, I live here and I can't trust me. It's fine. You're not alone <laughs> on that one. <laughs> but I love it because it's such a rich culture for metal in general. Uh, yeah. For for you know fifty plus years, you know, dating back into the into the sixties with Sabbath and and into the seventies with Priest and everybody else who has come from there, you know, since. Mm. It, it's 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 crazy and I and I love it and honestly I hope to visit Birmingham one day yeah do you know there's there is loads to do I mean the, the venues have slimmed out since the you know the days of the 80s and 90s and even probably since the turn of the century you know 2000s sure the venues have slimmed out of such and I think that's probably true for everywhere in the UK and you know for, for some other countries as well especially when it comes to metal but when you find those gems of venues, they're still hitting out rock, you know, rock and metal shows pretty much every night. So you can go out on a Monday and find a gig. You can go out on a Wednesday and still find a gig. You know, it's not just landlocked to the weekends. That's every awesome. day. There's something still going on. So you will find yourself a very busy man when you hit Birmingham. And and, and what? In, uh, either uh, no door or what? Like a five pound entry or something? Or if if that sometimes yeah, some of the venues do free entry just because you know getting those numbers of people in. Unfortunately, it's a difficult way in running venues these days. I think you know less people are inclined sure. to just go out on the whim. So yeah, you're right. I think you know. Five pound on the door is probably the extent of where it gets. Maybe a couple of quid if you do it advanced a few days beforehand. So yeah, sure. You'll get yourself you'll get yourself a good night out with just sort of twenty thirty pounds in your pocket in a, in a metal place still. Yeah, and and you know here like here in America, you know it's completely the. I don't know if you've ever been here or not, but it's quite you know the opposite. You might, you know you might spend ten dollars on a on a door fee and then whatever mm. you drink. You know, so you might have to take forty, fifty dollars to the show just to okay, yeah. have, you know, depending on where you go, because we have venues that serve like nine dollar uh, beers and shit like that. Nah, we don't have those. Which we're pretty close in. in damn man, see, we're pretty close <laughs> in in exchange rate right now for. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah so it's, guys, it's not like a, it used to be. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so we're taking like forty, fifty bucks, and you're taking like twenty, <laughs> twenty, thirty. You're, yeah, and, and that's what, and, and and you're spending it on band merch, <laughs> right? mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're trying to sell the, the damn stuff. So, <laughs> so um, when it comes with being a brummy, uh, are you when it comes to the the question, Sabbath or Zeppelin? Uh, here we go, <laughs> Sa- Sabbath or Zeppelin? Who who would you pick? I'm going to give you the option to guess. What do you think? I'm definitely going to go with Sabbath. Oh, you're correct, mate. Yeah, yeah of course. So how many Sabbath. times have you seen them at the NEC? Uh, do you know what? 
genuinely none. What? No times at all. The, the time I saw Sabbath was at Download Festival, actually. They nice. headlined on the Sunday. They closed it. So do you know what? I probably couldn't have picked a better way to see them, for me anyway. Oh, shit. Because it was just raw Sabbath. You know, they had the whole outside venue. They had the whole stage to do what they want with. And it was it was close to an hour and a half they were on stage for. It was a long, long show. Right. I think it was heading up to midnight by the time they'd even stopped playing. And that's pretty unheard of a download. It's kind of normally 11 o'clock cut off. Especially on a Sunday night, going. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just kept going. It was It was insane. Nice. What year was that? If you don't, oh, you're testing me. 2014, maybe. Okay, cool. So, yeah, okay, yeah. so yeah, it was within the last decade. So, hell yeah, yeah it was man. within the last time they did like a kind of. They, I, I believe at the time they definitely did a UK tour, but I think yeah. they went to the states as well. They, at they that did. Time. It was like yeah. the 13 tour. Yeah, for the yeah. album 13, where Brad uh, yeah. Brad Wilk was playing drums, I believe, or Tommy mm-hmm. Clefettos, one of the two. Uh, was playing drums with Brad. I think it was Brad Wilk. Yeah. yeah, because I know Tom, uh, Tommy had played with him at one time. See, this is where we derail and get off on tangents and stuff, which That's is totally right. cool. Which, it's a good tangent. Yeah, because it's about you know the Godfather's of heavy metal. The reason why we're all here, you know. I mm. even I sport the Hand of Doom tattoo on Very my nice. arm just because I am a, I'm a huge Iomi fan. You know, yeah. and geezer, yeah. of course, because I'm a bass player. But, mm. but we're here for hands of attrition because you all are putting out a new single called "They Live On." Yep. Absolutely. So you haven't actually had a full length since 2020. Yeah, exactly that. A uh, few reasons behind that. You know, we've had a bit of a shift in members. Members. You know, we we were in five membership at that time. <laughs> membership. I was going to say, yeah, we, we don't do a membership. There's no trials. It's just members. Yeah. So playing your we, we were five. <laughs> we we hope we were five, and now we're four. And and to be honest, the four that we have are probably that much more connected. I'd say. Right, you know, we can get together more often than we did when we were a five. And and credit to Tom and Chris, the two members that are no longer with us, they they put a hell of a shift in. You know, they really worked hard to help knock that album out. But it just kind of ran its course. And then you know, now that we're four, you know, our, our new rhythm guitarist took over vocals as well. So he's come in and done the job of two people. Right, he's just nailing it. You know, we couldn't ask for more of him. So now that the position we're in we've actually got more flexibility to release more material quickly. So we, we're not going to go down the album route so much as what we probably thought we were going to way okay. back when we're just going to fire singles out and hopefully just stay in people's faces, if you will, you know, respectively, but aggressively at the same time, you know, so we've got more music that has already been recorded and mixed and mastered by mixed and mastered by Justin. And then we've got two other songs that we're going to be completing by March. They'll get mixed and mustered as well, so they'll be out. Right. So you're talking in the region of you know six to eight singles being released this year, which could progress to an album. But we just think we can get music, our best music, out quickly these days. For sure, and I think that's the. I think the major labels are taking a page out of our independent book as it were Mm. when it comes to that because i see exactly what you just said we might release these six or eight songs and that might become a a collection of music i think i think these bigger bands 
uh, are doing that these days, where they're releasing four or five singles mm-hmm. eight months before the albums even do. You know, yeah. before a release date. So I totally get that. And I think in in today's market with such a streamability where I it's kind of a catch twenty two for me, uh, to use a cliche here. Uh, uh because what it does is I hate the streaming process because it's it's what it is, but yet I'm a yeah. podcaster, so it's a necessary evil for me, uh, just like you know anything with YouTube and such. But mm. the thing with it is, is I totally get it. It it, yeah. it it needs to be done, and yeah, we all bitch about the money and not making any off of it, and they do, and so on and so forth. Contact your lo- your governments. They're the ones that, you know, and I know that's something fucking stupid, but yeah, fuck it. <laughs> no, I think you're on the right. I think you're on the right path there. I yeah. Mean, look at look at it from the angle of the people that have created these platforms. So, you look at Spotify and credit to them what they've created. They get to pull the strings, and if they want bands to release music every two months or every, it's two gonna weeks, happen because they're it's gonna, gonna happen. It's, yeah, it's the same way terrestrial exactly. radio. It's the same way terrestrial radio, especially in America, when it become corporate based. Uh, how it changed because then you had X bands ACDC Leonard Skit all these classic bands that you know were already on because of establishment and shit like that but when they had all these corporations come in then they started signing contracts with these bands individually and saying well sign over X amount of your catalog for us to play and we'll shoot you a check of X amount of dollars each year Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, Spotify that's for streams, isn't it? It's the same thing. Yeah, it is exactly the same thing. And that's why in America, for example, you will never hear uh, out of any corporate stations. Most of them don't play music in the mornings because that is, by royalty rate, the most expensive time is morning drive. Yeah, people driving to work, of course, yeah. commuting. Yeah, yeah definitely. so uh, they put on talk shows. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So they don't have to play. On, like, the return home as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And you know, that, that's sim- sim- interesting you say that because we have this thing in, in the UK. Not every radio station does it, but they label it as like drive time. Yep. And you're right. They, they just talk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not interested in talking. I want to listen to some music to get home. So what do I put on? Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Spotify's yeah. and Pandora's and... Uh, Deezer. Yeah, Tidal. Deezer, Tidal, yeah. all the uh, Tidal actually play, pays pretty well. Apparently, it's not bad. I believe it's point thirteenth of a pence, right? So whereas but, whereas Spotify is like point zero sixtieth of a pence, so yes. it's like it's getting on to be like five times more per stream, which and uh, is better, and Pandora but, is like point zero tenth of a pence. Yeah, it's the worst. It's, Terrible. It is the I worst. suppose it comes down to supply and demand, though, doesn't it? Because if Spotify was to lift their rates of payment, you look at the biggest artists that are getting a billion monthly listeners, how much extra would they be paying those guys? And us at the bottom, we don't get those streams. Of course we don't. We're an independent band. Right. How much are we missing out on? Probably all not that much. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is is like... You know, making sure, and this is where the business aspect of it comes up for me, and 
is where bands, you need to make sure you have your publishing in order. You need to make sure you have your writing in order. You need to affiliate with a, an agency like a, an ASCAP or BMI, uh, somebody who mm-hmm. will collect those for you. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's like, why leave money on the table? Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's part of Spotify's argument, if I remember reading some of the information that was released from this, is that there's so many millions of unclaimed royalties yeah. that just sits there for probably years. And I think there's a, there's uh, a I limit believe it's on seven how long years. you can sit there. Yeah, that's something around that. I, I think I've read that too. And if you don't claim it, it just gets wasted yeah now we do you're right you know we we partner with there's a company called prs in the uk yes probably heard of them yeah i, they, they yeah, allow I get for, my they're affiliated with ascap in america so anything i get uh, okay. from anything yep. i get over there uh automatically comes over here through ascap wonderful yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah i'm so, totally familiar with that uh and yeah that continue i'm sorry i interrupted no, no, it's absolutely fine. So, you know, we can get performance-based royalties if we're played on airtime. Mm-hmm. We get performance-based royalties if we play to crowds and we register that performance. And, yes. you know, certain crowd sizes, you, you can get paid for that as well. But we do everything mostly through DistroKid, which is, do you know what? It's a fantastic service. I've had good and bad reviews, but we've only ever had good things from that. And it collects it automatically from streams takes about a month or two for it to come in and then we can just withdraw it and it's super easy like i can't complain about it so we collect everything that we get and you know whether it's minimally or a a big amount that we're able to collect it's something that comes back into the band you know we pay for marketing we pay for all of our mixing and mastering luckily we don't have to pay for recording because we do all of that ourselves in our studio right so we save on some money and yeah eventually we get some back so it's a necessary evil, and I think as a band, you have to have some kind of business hat on at some point. Yeah. Otherwise, you're wasting I mean, your own income and wasting what the band could potentially be. For sure. If you don't. And while you're, say you do get, you know, thirty or 40,000 spends on a song, you know, that could still be, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 dollars, depending on, and, mm. you know, depending on the platform, etc. So, I mean, that... If it, that twenty bucks, you know, I I know that could go in the in the gas tank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose for anyone that's interested in these kind of numbers, and I'm, I'm not saying this for any kind of head boasting material, or you know, here's me blowing my own trumpet, or us as a band, but we we managed to withdraw like two hundred pounds. Okay. Off of basically, I think it was three hundred thousand streams across everything. But still, That's not too bad. No. That actually that allows us to pay for another song to come out. So those songs have done their work. That's what they were made for to pay the way for the next lot of songs that come out. So for us, it's it's give and take. Really, we know we're small, but we know we're going to get bigger at some point. So the money will come well, if we continue doing what we're doing. And that's the whole thing, you know. Yeah. At this rate in the game, sky is the limit for anybody because the label <laughs> aspect is what the fuck ever at this point. It doesn't matter if you if you put something out on your own. It matters if it if it catches fire, and yep. then does it? Can you match the the you know the demand for it? 
And that's all it takes. It doesn't take, you know, major label backing or even independent label backing for that matter. Not because, anymore. No. no. And while it is cool to, to, you know, to work with these people because it's everybody's all in it for the love of the game at this point, I think. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, there's so much cool aspect of everything with that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean... Hand on heart, I think the one of the things that we miss from like a label backing or some kind of agency working on our behalf is that someone else is pushing you and you get to concentrate more on the music side. Sure. And I think that's why labels are there still. I mean, you know, labels obviously want to take their money, which is fair, they're doing work. You know, let's let's have an even distribution playing field here. Well, yeah, and, and you but know, as they're an artist, paying for to... certain things as well, like promotion yeah. and stuff like that. And that's where yeah, they recoup fees. And... Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, labels at this point in time are literally like news feeds that also talk about you. You know, everybody's talking about how do you maximize your social media? How do you maximize your YouTube videos? And the way to do that is having somebody else talk about you. Having those likes and shares and follows. Yeah, exactly. And and how do you do that? By establishing an agency that have worked with the likes of Lamb of God or Threat Signal or, you know, Machine Head or Pantera. And then you get noticed. And it's like, hmm, these guys are getting big because they're on the same... A numb lie, they call it, don't they? Of, of artists that you know, right. labels have worked with. So, and you know, I will, I will spout this until I'm blue in the face. Uh, really good friends of mine, uh, Snafu from Detroit. Mm. Uh, they're on Housecore Records, which is Phil's label from Pantera. Uh, back last summer, they did a three-show, like a weekender deal, where they opened mm. for Pantera and Lamb of God. And this year, they're doing the same thing again. And then this time they're doing some in Canada and stuff. So it's really Mm. cool. And I really dig that shit because they're, they're awesome dudes and they put in the work and Mm. they're, they're actually getting the benefit of, of, you know, being on something like that. Yeah. And and that's where the power comes in, doesn't it? Because you can, you can play, you know, stage with these bigger bands you're not sharing the stage with smaller guys that are in your same circle. You get to explore the bigger circles. Yeah, Or, absolutely. if you will, the smaller circles where there is a bit of a niche and, to what you're and, doing. And I want to say this about that situation. And aside from what everybody's feelings are on that reunite, reimagining of Pantera, mm. aside from that, they're doing the right thing by having those bands open for them because there's other bands out there that could be doing the same thing that constantly have the same two or three bands on their bill because they're friends and 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 i'm not talking like you know on an independent deal i'm talking strictly on an arena show or amphitheater Mm -hmm. show type thing like that you know and I'll blatantly call out Steve Harris for that. You know, the nepotism of having the Raven Age on their last tour. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry. I totally I mean, if, think if that it was because it was his song. Huh? Yeah, and you know, I suppose when you're when your revenue and your income is from your music and you don't have a day job. Yeah. You have to think about exploiting those benefits and who do you keep with you that's going to keep raising your revenue yes that's true too you know 
I, I suppose there is always a give and take. I hate to be the kind of no, no, you're absolutely there, right because I, I didn't think, think of it that think way. Like that because jealousy starts to creep in, and you go, "Why are they always on that tour?" And it's like, "Well, they're on that tour because they're reliable." Right. That's why. Well, and, and you can't argue with reliability. That's true because what I think Metallica took out Volbeat two tours in a row, something yeah, like that. Exactly. And, yeah. and they, those guys were selling out anyway. Yeah. Never mind the fact they were with Metallica. So Metallica knew that if Volbeat can sell out on their own, we can sell out on top of that and get bigger stadiums. Not that Metallica need any bigger stadiums because right. they basically take their own wherever they go these days. Yeah, because now the they point, offer you know. tickets for like $8,000 and shit yeah, like on those, the lighting yeah. truss in the last two. Yeah, within the first little diamond shape they create, you can get in that, can't you, as well? Yeah. Man? Yeah. I mean, totally cool. Don't get me wrong, but like, no. So this has been an awesome conversation so far. I've just enjoyed like, you know, just the, the banter back and forth and it, 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 sometimes it gets away from me. Like the actual topic of conversation of we're here to promote hands of attrition. And here we're talking Uh, about about the music industry. And, and everything else because it's like wow I haven't had one of these music industry conversations in a while and I've really dug it <laughs> good man yeah well happy happy to keep going off on tangents I don't mind Not so a problem. when you said earlier and my accent just came out there because I heard it I said <laughs> uh, you said earlier that thankfully you don't have to pay for the recording because you all do that yep. now so are you all doing what okay so like what I'm doing right now I'm I'm talking into the 7B and the focus right and running it through uh uh I'm going to use an undisclosed program because it's a pirated program You do what you do mate <laughs> I delete that registration <laughs> key every use um so I'm sitting there and I'm doing it this way and the home recording thing has come so far in the last 20 years the last 10 yeah, has, uh yeah. now are you all doing it that way are you are you doing proper going to a studio how are you doing it bit of both okay. so fortunately for us we actually have a lockup so rabana's studio in birmingham thank you guys for everything you provide us we have our own space which is our own full-on studio we have acoustic treatment in there that we've built ourselves we have full um Midas preamps that we have within that as well and and we can record up to I believe it's 24 microphones in one shot so we can have the whole room microphoned up as much as we want to do so our whole system is a audio rack that has you know ADAT systems in there as well that eventually hits a USB interface then goes into our recording software and it lives at the studio. This thing doesn't move. It's set up always. We nice. can record at the drop of a hat. And then when it comes to guitars, we do those DI, you know, direct in, direct yes, inputs. Absolutely. So there's no there's no amping. So we reamp inside the box or inside the mixing sure. stage. And then with vocals, just like yourself, you know, you set up your microphone and you just go at it. Now, a little unknown fact is that we don't use industry standard microphones because one, I think you can spend all your life on the best gear in the world, but unless you're in the best room in the world, you're not going to get the best sound out of them. And we're in a rehearsal studio. It's fantastic, but it's not a drum studio. It's not wooden floors with treated walls and cavities in there. It's just a rehearsal space. Right. So 
we use Samsung audio microphones. We've got some Behringers in there. You know, these are cost-effective microphones, sure. if you will. And the recording microphone is a SM58 on a stand with a pop filter running into Midas preamps. You know, that that's a 50 quid secondhand microphone that you can buy. Yeah, and but, the and, but they stand the test of, of time. They do. Yeah, they definitely do. And, and you can pick up an, an SM7B or even the podcast version these days for, what, £200, and you will get a similar sound because you're so close to it anyway. Right. The, you the, don't get the recording studio gloss of a, a vocal mic in the perfect space. Oh, believe me, I I totally get that because yeah. this show over the last five years between mm-hmm. the radio station day, um, the radio days as I call it, uh, between that era, which was the first year, and everything since, yep. I uh, the last two years I've used the seven B, but mm-hmm. before that I was I used a. Uh, uh, Super 55, because it was my vocal mic for my live show. Okay. And yeah, I'm yeah. sitting here total, like, Elvis mic. I'm trying to <laughs> pull it into frame here, if it will. Total yeah, I, Elvis I mic. Those. Yeah. And, and I didn't even have it on a boom arm. I had it on a desk stand, and it sat above yeah. my... It, sat, it was so tall, it sat above my mouth. And yeah. I was just like sitting super high up in the chair (laughs) but yeah but i can't tell the audio difference on those episodes with that mic versus this exactly and most of the sound comes from your room and that's the key part of it so if we were to go out and spend a thousand pounds on microphones you would not see a difference in our music there might no. be slight differences. Now, if you change the room and, and that's did that, fine. that would be the difference. Exactly. You know, you take cheap microphones into a fantastic room and you can tell. You put expensive microphones into a cheap room and it kind of sounds the same. And I, I might get burnt for that comment. Well, but we've I, I tried get what you're it. saying, though. You know, we've tried it. I mean, we've tried Shure drum microphones versus the Samson Audio. The Samson Audio for a full seven-piece set cost me £100. For the Shures, it's 400 They sound so similar. Right. in that room that we might as well go for the hundred pound set you know it, it was just what it was at the time yeah and, and uh, i mean and that's the thing with being an independent musician you have to do things and you know shout out to my guy uh justin uh for metal on a budget because mm. he is totally doing budget gear reviews you know, does it okay. metal? Yeah. Does it, you know, is this going to be a good, is this a good $50 pedal? Can you get a exactly. good sound yeah. out of it? You know, is it, you know, can you pick one of these guitars up for 150 bucks and it get mm. the job done? Yeah, I mean, he. that's what you have to do. There's yeah. so much, you know, you have to be thrifty because if you don't. Yeah, you do, you do, you do. Yeah, and once you get to the point of saying okay and then upping your game each time out and then you yep. get the the uh the understanding of wow why didn't i do this before but it takes progression <laughs> yeah. yeah it is progression i mean you know, the first album that we did colder places the same microphones have been used for everything we've ever done and i believe what we have started to create now we're looking at music in 2023 and 2024 our sound has progressed because we as musicians have got better. 
the equipment's the same, but we are able to use it in a better way. You know, we can layer effects much better. And, and by the time we send everything over to Justin, who mixes it for us, he has the understanding and relationship with us now past five years. He knows what we want. So we're so close before we even send it to him that all of our ideas are in that recording. So when he loads our track up and he's ready to go on it, he has an idea of what it needs to be, but he just makes it sound, you know, 110% better than what we could ever do. Totally. So so what we've got, I feel privileged for what we have. You know, It's taken a lot of work individually. So it's mainly myself and the lead guitarist Anthony who do a lot of the recording sessions we're kind of audio nerds if you like sure. and the other guys we've got two J's in the band so JB is the bassist because he's a bassist and his last name's Brunskill so JB makes sense Dig. and then normal J is just J and he's the vocalist and guitarist so those guys are just happy that somebody else can do the work you know it's in the audio side of things and they'll, sure. they'll turn up to the studio and they'll nail their parts so much so that we don't even have to worry like by the time we pass it to justin we know the quality's there because again we've worked and progressed on this so what i mean by hybrid is that we've still got entry level equipment but our techniques and our approach has changed to a better way of working right with you that can equipment. harness the you're able to harness the ability to the maximum of what you're using yeah yeah i mean if i if i think retrospectively what we've got a thousand pounds worth of equipment you know between the di's the between the the rack system between the microphones that we've got you know the interface that we've got you're talking about a thousand pounds and when, when when you're looking at mixing music and booking one studio session, the average studio session in the UK right now is about 300 a day. Right. Well, you've only recorded three songs and you've already spent £1,000 anyway. And that, a £300 a day is cheap. That's mostly for, like, drum tracking. By mm-hmm. the time you get into vocal and guitar tracking, you're talking maybe four or 500 a day. So now you've only recorded two songs, but buy it yourself, get the space and do it. I'm all for that. For sure. I totally get that. So when you're in the in the zone musically, yeah. what are you trying to leave your fans with? Like from the from the album you know? from everything from an album mm. sus, from an album spectrum to or yep. song spectrum to live even when you're there yeah. in the zone and this is say you're something that you're you're wholeheartedly into and this me- this message is here what are you trying to leave to your people I'm going to start with the messaging part of that question and historically with the original vocalist Tom he was very along the lines of mental health and kind of seeing the darkest within and, and pulling it into the light side of things and we were a very mental health focused band and you know what we still are there's been a lot that's affected us on a personal level with you know people losses in families from band members as well so we feel we're still on that mental health journey sure with each other you know we're trying to help each other along the way and that that ultimately hits the music all the time you just can't get away from that because what you live in your own personal life is end up what you write i think anyway so when it comes to the lyrical themes to things we don't even start lyrics until the song is fully done so we'll fully record the song instruments completely and then it's time to start thinking about lyrics but kind of prior to that how do we get to a song being what it is we just all have to agree on it and if that song, when you play it, just hits, and you all know that face sure. that you make when a riff hits, you just go, 
oh, oh. that is incredible. <laughs> if that if that face gets made in the room, that riff is staying, and that's kind of where we sit. You know, okay. there's no formula. There's no <laughs> we have to put a verse here or a chorus there. It's just that face. If we make the face, or someone does, we add a boom, you know, big boom in there as well, and it's like, oh, that is the riff that yes. stays. And so, you know, honestly, we write on feeling. We really uh, do. And and I'm going to sit here and say this, that about <laughs> that is so f- <laughs> fucking cool that you said it that way, because it's like when you're doing that in, in your band is one thing, because then you're just mm. like, oh, this is fucking cool. But when you're doing that, when somebody else's music too, because we all mm-hmm. do that. There's that one, there's those songs that we hear Every that's just like, does. Oh, son of a bitch, this yep. is so good. <laughs> and and I feeling. had a moment That's of the I, feeling. Yeah. I've been I've been jonesing on like a few songs here lately that have mm. I've been making the face too. <laughs> yeah. And we all do it whether we're whether we're doing it when we're in our house, we're doing it when we're watching a band live, we all make that face. Oh, and, uh, listening and that, to I'm it not on the say drive. We sit there and chase the face. But we sit there and think to ourselves, when in this song is that face gonna appear? You know, so a, a, a little unknown fact as well about us is I've said this in interviews before that we write in a very different manner or have done previously where we're com- completely computer focused when it comes to writing. We rarely ever jammed in the room. And part of that was because of when we had the old members, there was accessibility issues, people not being able to get five people together in the room. It wasn't always easy to do. And right. The vocalist lived quite far away from us and, issues traveling and and all those things that surround it so we tended to write on computer first and then refine it when it came to the production side so the whole of colder places we never ever once played any of those songs in the room together until we started to learn them after we made the album with the exception of they come at night and i'm gone because they were already singles but everything else was brand new so we wrote it on computer we recorded it and we released it and then went how do we play it? <laughs> that's awesome because, you know, that's it's really cool because when you say it like that, it's like I see how these one person bands do things where yeah. they will program the they'll have their guitar, they'll write their riff, but they will program a drum beat and then they mm-hmm. will write the you know it's very much like writing it all one step at a time yeah, step and, by step isn't it yeah and and it almost sounds like you all did the exact same thing Pre- yeah pretty just much just yeah. individually we just, we just passed it round to each other so everybody had like a mini setup at home you know the focus right you mentioned or a Behringer interface and then we just said right that's your part get on with it and then bring it to the table and if it's ready we'll record you you know there was a bit of refinement in the room like oh that you know that if it wasn't quite right compared to what I played or, you know, refinements, but generally we didn't play those songs as a band. And then ultimately after the album release, we're like, right, okay, we need to learn how to play these. But kind of since then, now we have the four of us, you know, myself and both the J's, we can get in that room every week. So jamming on songs is becoming something we're incorporating. So I feel like the best of us is still yet to come. I hate to be that guy that says we haven't hit our potential yet. And but. I know that sounds like the, the headphones are going to fall off because the head's growing, but <laughs> I really do feel like we have a lot to offer. Well, and, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, you don't know what 
your your maximum potential is going to be. None of us do. Never will. So, we never I mean, will. We're just going to keep chasing it until we feel that we we're at our peak. And you know? I think that's where has been's come from. Possibly, yeah. Because yeah. they reach that plateau, and this is the best thing I've ever done, and they start yep. believing it, and then they never grow past it. Yeah. So fuck that. Fucking, I'm never satisfied. My potential. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking keep learning, keep doing new shit, people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if you were to sit there as a musician and, and, you know, you're a bedroom musician or you're somebody that does go and, you know, rehearse with another band, are you ever constantly feeling like you are the best you've ever been? Right. Now, as, as a drummer, I never sit there and go, this is the best drummer I've ever been because I'm constantly chasing the next time I can play something better or more intricate or more technical or faster or okay. in a better way. Or, you know, we're getting, <laughs> so now we're getting to the territory of, you know, how do we become the best band? Not even individual right. players. We're still going to be expanding on this. So a little snippet into what we're doing next is the next song we have coming out is it's, it's got everything. You know, so we've had clean choruses in the past. We've had you know heavy breakdowns in the past. We've used a little bit of synths here and there. The next song that comes out, which is undisclosed title and all the rest of it, is a seven-minute anthem of what we feel that we could show in all directions as musicians. So I, I mean that in a very positive way. Like it hasn't just got every riff thrown under the sun, sure. within it? But think about how how metal bands have these wonderful cleans and wonderful choruses right. and, and outros and intros and we just felt that we needed a song that really showed what we can do and the, and the next song is going to be that so when the next song comes out we hope that people give it at least 30 seconds for it to start because when it does explode the face comes out and you're like oh that's where that song lives you know hell yeah so See, so that's awesome. <laughs> I, total, total awesomeness. But I am looking forward to it for sure. But we're going to go ahead and switch over to Derailed here. Derailed is okay. five random questions. and All about you as a person. Okay. So, cool. yeah, the, the, the whole thing is there, you know, uh, the way we all do metal, the, the way we all do life, really. So yeah. that's what I, this is the part that I truly live for because, you know, everything is everything and everything can be cool. Just, it's all about the positivity. Let's do it. What is your worst, ver ah, that's an edit point. <laughs> what is the your worst vacation memory? Ooh. I haven't been on a lot of vacations abroad, let's say. As a child, I did with my family, but not, not really since as an adult. But I do remember when I was 10, maybe, in Tenerife. I went on a family vacation with mom, dad, you know, two brothers and my older sister as well. And I got this severe, severe sunburn on my shoulders and back because I'd been in the swimming pool for like six hours in the height of the Spanish sun. And it got so bad that I had these kind of boils and blisters oh. right on my back. They were huge. They were ready to burst and everything. And, and as a 10-year-old, you know, you don't suffer with that very well. I was screaming. I was crying. I was you know, begging in pain. And we had to go to the, the local kind of GP 
and they gave us some gauzes, some cream, and and that was literally day three on a fourteen day holiday. So oh, my parents wow. were not happy with me. <laughs> wow, that's harsh, dude. So, yeah, I remember getting sunburn. Put your sun cream on, kids. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I I grew up with red hair since darkened, but uh, mm. yeah, the sunburn for me, man, that. Yep, fair skin shit. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it was not nice. It was not nice. For sure. I remember that pain. <laughs> if you could go back and change the outcome of any one historical event, what would it be? Hmm, historical event. You know what? You've got me on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a historian. Uh, so I'm going to go with... I'm not going to go with the the one that everybody thinks you should say and we all know what that one is I'm gonna oh I'm go totally back. gonna fucking say it kill baby Hitler <laughs> fuck yeah I'll I'm gonna say go that. with I'm gonna go with the, <laughs> the casting the vote for Joseph Stalin in Russia because of the sheer amount of people that died through the famine yeah I know I know millions and millions of Jews died due to the Germans that is horrific but hundreds of millions of Russians and Ukrainians died because of the famine caused by Yosef Stalin. Right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that one. Absolutely, and I think they're. You know. Yeah, that's just fuck. Ugh. They're they're all messed up. They yeah, are, and I mean, for me, you know, I think the Yosef Stalin one because it was he was doing it to his own people willingly, not giving them food. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where humans weren't even being human anymore. Yeah, and it did happen. It did happen in the Holocaust as well. I know. Sure. And, yeah, I don't know. You're not discrediting that. Awful. It's 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 another it's another horrible thing that would have mm. that have happened. You know, obviously there's stuff here that's the same way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is the area of your life you want to uh, focus on improving next? I think. For me personally, I've had three children. So I've got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So uh, Frankie, Elliot, and Delilah. Hello to all you guys. If you ever listen to the podcast in the future, shout out. And then, (laughs) so as as a dad that's gone through a couple of kids, you get the dad bod. You let yourself go. (laughs) You know, it becomes difficult to go to the gym. I need a health kick. Honestly, I do. So if if I could change the healthiness in my lifestyle, I think I'd like to. Wait a second. <laughs> You're a drummer. Yeah, but it doesn't stop me from eating cakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, I'm diabetic, and that doesn't stop me from doing it either. <laughs> see, see, cakes are just good, man. Cakes, biscuits, I'll take them all day. But no, on a serious note, yeah, I need to look after my health. Uh, yeah, so. I believe there are cookies over here, biscuits. Yeah, cookies. Yeah, yeah, cookies live in this country in many different ways. We get them cookie dough, so it's not quite cooked. Ah. We get them definitely cooked, so they're crunchy. And then you can just buy the raw mixture that you you can just eat in the shop. Nice. <laughs> uh, there is a guy I watch on YouTube, uh, Randy Santel. He is a competitive food eater, and he, or a food challenge uh, professional or some shit, whatever it's called now. Wow. Yeah. And he did a UK tour this past year, and actually had went into a place somewhere over there, and the the cookies that they had were just like enormous like yeah. and like thick yeah. and you had to eat like 
15 of them or some shit. <laughs> I mean, I could do a few, but yeah. not 15. Oh, yeah. no, he, he did it. Spoiler alert. Uh, I bet he annihilated it, didn't he? Yeah, I bet he Oh, did. yeah. I mean, he's won, like, he's done over 1,200 events in his life. And he's in his, like, mid-30s. Wow. Well... Wow. Round of applause for him for doing Hell that. Yeah. I could but not do that. But absolutely on the on the on the health thing, that's awesome because you know it's everything. It's physical health, mental health. You know, yeah. taking care of yourself because of that. So you said you had mm-hmm. three children. Awesome. Uh, are you? What do they call you? It's just just daddy that's just what I am. Still, even my six year old still daddy. I mean, he he okay. says dad, and he looks at me, and he's like. Did I say that right? And I'm like, yeah, go on. You can call me dad. Fine. So it's we're still in the daddy spectrum, okay, but cool. one of them shifting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't know if it was like father or something. You know, father. Nah, nah. Pop. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> just, just dad. Dad. Daddy. Dad. Daddy. Cool, that. man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, definitely uh, don't have any children myself, uh, but but cool. I mean, it's awesome to be, you know passing on the legacy uh, as yeah. it were do you hope that they that they play music or yeah so my eldest Frankie Jude has an electronic drum kit which is just by the side of me I won't show you because the dryer is also by the side of me as nice. well doubling up on the room sure <laughs> sure uh, so he's already playing drums he's having drum lessons and obviously I take him to the lockup to teach him but with drums I I, I crucially think that you should be of a certain age because there's a lot of strain on your body because of your wrists for the rebound and you know what comes back into your hand and then just the general understanding and discipline to listen to what i'm saying six-year-olds have a tendency to not listen to what you're saying for sure and if you try and say hey play the bass drum and the snare at the same time they just hit everything it's like kind of but not quite so we had to wait for him to get to a point where he is able to listen so frankie will definitely play instruments Elliot has started to show quite an interest in like a keyboard, even okay. though he's three. He's trying, you know. And as soon as you play music, Delilah, my youngest, my one-year-old, she immediately dances. So they're all musicians to some level. Nice. You just got to eke it out of them at, at, when they're yeah. old enough. And, you know, let it let the, the progression happen. That's totally cool. Mm. You know, that's something that's interesting to me is hearing like back in like way, you know, Especially here, hearing people who started playing piano when they were like three or four years old, and by the time they're six, they're they're like like great already, you know, yeah. because of the the learned in like the impression, muscle memory, and everything, the muscle memory yeah. and the impressionism yeah. with it, and that's something I wish I always was able to to have learned at a young age with mm. piano, and actually have gotten to read like. Uh, actual music okay okay interesting fact for you uh, I learned this because I was trying to learn a second language the adult brain is far more superior at learning a new skill than a child's brain right it's just the fact that we understand our limitations and a child doesn't so we already know we can't play the piano so we don't apply ourselves in such a way that allows us to learn it because we're not open to this idea that we can play the piano, but a child isn't. My son will come up to me, six-year-old Frankie, goes, I can play drums. I'm like, yeah, you can. But in my head, I'm thinking, you can play a rock beat 4-4, and that's fantastic. 
but he thinks he can play drums and it's wonderful for him to say that adults don't say that they say oh I'm learning to play piano I'm learning to play guitar tell yourself you can play it and you will learn it trust me it's a skill it's not a, it's not a talent it's all practice it's all it's all learning this instrument so just do it man just get to those keys and just start playing because your brain knows how to learn already it's done it thousands of times over so just go ahead and do it but be positive tell yourself you can and you will damn and see i that's (laughs) usually the message i kind of want to leave people with on the last question of the show i'll say at the end (laughs) no no that's totally fucking rad yes absolutely no you're totally right with that and which is also interesting too because as i have gotten older and looked more at music in like books mm. and stuff uh yeah it has been it's like okay i get this now it's this is this and this is and it's like okay familiarity yeah yeah and it's like it it really becomes like i actually see the language it is written in based on yeah. what is here Exactly. And, and exactly. That's totally and you've learned awesome. music once before, so you'll definitely do it again much, much faster. And the same applies. And, and the reason I mentioned languages is if you talk to somebody that can speak two languages, they can often speak more right. than that. They just don't say they're fluent in another language. So, like French people, German people, you know, people from like Nether- the Netherlands, they grow up learning six or seven languages. So by the time they're an adult and they want to learn Chinese, it just it takes them weeks, and they just learn a new language just right. like that because they've already done it before. Well, and it's also but you too, can definitely do it again. And, and also too, it's because of uh, most of the surroundings. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most of uh, the countries around in, in yeah. the UK and Europe and stuff. You know, because for that, for you, for you all, it's like going like for us, it's like going to a different state. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely I t- I get that uh, here in America, I, it's English and Spanish for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Of so. course, I suppose for Canada, it's kind of English and French, isn't it? So yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, well, and well, they also have like uh, natives, uh, Eskimo okay, people, yeah. Eskimo or yeah, Inuit. Of course. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, so, Inuit, and they yeah. have their own language as well. Mm. So totally cool, but. We do have one more question, but before we get to it, as always, links are listed below, so give a like, a share, and a follow. Go buy merch. Go support in any way you can. Uh, do all of the things and all of the stuff, right? And Absolutely. Uh, Dale, do you have any shout-outs you want to give today? Just shout-out to... I'm going to be really gimmicky here. Just shout-out to, to Justin Hill. You know, he's been with us since the start. I did shout him out earlier on, you know, five five years mixing and mastering this small band on his roster, but he's always there to support us. So thank you, Justin. Hell yeah. Thank you to Hannah, who is JB's partner. Thank you to Emily, who is Jay's partner, wife. Thank you to Sarah, who is Ant's partner and fiance. And thank you to Beth, who is my fiance. Without our wives and partners, genuinely... I don't know how we could, you know, keep going with this band. It takes time. It takes effort. You know, we're, we're, we're out late in the evenings doing what we do. And we've all got children. 
and the wires put up with a lot of that slack so you know we're off gallivanting playing music and they're they're putting the kids to bed so you have to shout out the partners because they're they're helping us be the band we are giving us the space to explore and giving us the time to play the shows that we get to do and hopefully be the best we can so we've got to shout those out definitely uh another interesting fun fact uh you're a drummer and your partner's name is beth uh peter chris beth i hear you calling uh (laughs) (laughs) the cliches just keep they do it's it's almost like it's a heavy metal movie or something yeah well, let's make it one. Come on, Netflix. Where are you? Yeah, for sure. I, they're probably giving me a cease and desist right now. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> they stole our idea. <laughs> uh, which is which is always uh, awesome. Yes, definitely. Shout out to to everybody that you know bears the the weight of the band life. You know, mm. because it's not easy. You no, know, it is a no, traveling. It's, it's just like wrestling. It's just like the circus. It is a mm-hmm. it is a traveling circus for the most part. Stupid things happen all the time. Tires blow out, <laughs> gear blows up, things break. Yep. Uh, yep. Unbelievable situations happen. It, it really is. This is Spinal Tap for the most part. Yeah, no, no, no. It is. Yeah, and so, and yeah, so definitely shout out to anybody that has to has to feel the the weight of the. <laughs> the goofy bullshit a band is like an, a, a band is like another child you, you gotta look after it and nurture it and if you don't give it time it's just never gonna get anywhere so yeah you know, the, the, the girls in our life and the women in our life really do give us the chance to be be who we are as as, as uh, sad as that sounds but it's just the truth you know hell yeah man so as we are now passing the midnight hour for you uh, mm-hmm. The final question of today is, if you could watch any movie tonight, what would you watch, and who would you watch it with? Oh, now then, that is a good question. So, I'm a little bit of a movie nerd when it comes to, like, animated styled movies not a big thriller you know like serial killers or like saw or anything like that the live action stuff can stay where it is i'm all about the animation so there's there's a kind of in-house joke we have within a couple of like friends circles of mine with beth and my favorite film is monsters inc (laughs) <laughs> I don't care who knows, it just is. I used to watch that thing on, on VHS on video when I was like six years old every day. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd put that video on, and I'd watch the death out of that film. <laughs> so, Beth, if you're listening in the other room, you need to put Monsters Inc. on because that's what we're going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Hell don't care yeah, who knows. <laughs> uh, I love that film. And I yeah. s- so... I'm in my 40s now, and that film came out when I was in my 20s, okay? Mm. So Mm. I didn't watch it uh, until, you know, until like like five or six years ago. (laughs) Uh, And I I have still never seen any of the Toy Story films. But you have to watch those. You have to watch them. But I never have. Uh, Toy Story is a staple of anyone born in the nineties. I think. I think that's it is. Be, it really what, 93 is. Ninety three or something. Ninety five, whatever it was. But yeah. 
And yeah. we had a guy in my uh, in my high school uh, who his nickname was Woody because he looked like Woody. Uh, so yeah, and, with the hat and the boots. And oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. uh, his name was Todd. Uh, shout out to him out there if he's uh, if he's listening. I, I I believe he became a pilot. So cool, man. Okay. So he's uh, still wearing a hat of some sort. Then. Uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, dude, Dale. Thank you so much. This has been so awesome, super fun. I definitely want to have you all back uh, in the future. Uh, on our way out today, what song do you want to leave leave us with? Ooh. I'm guessing I'm not allowed to choose one of us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what this is all about. This is all about you. Yeah. Do you know what then? Let, let's let's go with that. They live on. You know, it's the latest one. It's it's ferocious. It's in your face. We think it's just an overload of metal. So yeah, let's let's go with that. Oh snap! Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. Where's the, the? I don't have a bell for that. Uh, sorry, I gotta I gotta stop the bre- pump the brakes here. You said an overload of metal. My band, okay. my band name's Overload. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hell okay. yeah. Go listen to Overload after this one. Ah <laughs> yes. Here it is. They live on. Yeah.
Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine. A treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com bigcartel.com What's up Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast. If you have ghosts, you have everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. 
to distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at... 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana, is the premier 12,500-square-foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family-owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner, Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to Rock School, Weekend Warriors, and Maxwell's Music Lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero Throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason the Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design, as well as top 100 music store year after year. 
You gotta see it to believe it. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Hey. 